Good morning, great friends. It is so good to have you joining us this morning. I'm trusting that as we've worshipped together that God's presence has filled your homes. And I, I pray for an increased presence, an increased revelation, an increased power to come and flood your hearts and homes as we share this time together. And welcome to part two of the new series that we started last week, Undefeated, The Secret Life of Warriors. Now, my amazing wife, Carol, started this last week with sharing the first undefeatable warrior principle, which is us valuing the Word of God, getting into the Word of God, and allowing that life-changing Word of God to get into us. I highly encourage you, if you missed that for any reason, to get that podcast, get that video. It's on our website. It's on our YouTube channel. And I really believe that's an essential foundation. Now, to take us into what I'm going to be sharing today, I want to start by looking at two quotes by a man called Charles Spurgeon. Some have referred to him as one of the greatest preachers of the last century. And uh, he made these two quotes that kind of link and bridge what Carol shared last week with what I feel God's laid on my heart to share this week. And the first quote that I want to look at is a quote which I've shared before. He said, I can probably find 10 believers who'll be prepared to die for the Bible for everyone who's prepared to read it regularly. Now, I don't know about the accuracy of the whole 10 to 1 ratio, but I think we all get what he's trying to say. Many of us own Bibles, have them all over, have them on our phones. We value it. We would, we would fight to say that's the Word of God, that it has life-changing power. But I'm really trusting that every single one of us goes beyond that to spend in daily time not just reading our Bibles, but getting our Bible into us, not just getting into the Word, getting the Word into us, that we are changed and transformed by the power of the Word. And then he said another comment about 10 believers and one believer. He said, I would rather teach one believer how to pray than 10 believers how to preach. Now, coming from one of the greatest preachers of all times, that's quite a statement. And I want to share today the second secret of undefeatable warriors, and that is living a lifestyle of prayer. And let's face it, for many believers, prayer seems to be optional, though we desire it to be more intentional with the goal of making it habitual. For most, it remains occasional and too often purely petitional, sometimes even transactional or reactional, when it should be primarily relational, revelational, conversational, and above all else, transformational. So my heart today is trusting that today's word will be motivational to make it just that for every single one of us. So if we're going to teach on prayer, I think it's a great idea that we open in prayer. So Father, I ask right now that you would anoint this time that we have together. I ask right now that you would come with your power and your presence to cause these words to shift our hearts and our minds. We want to see prayer the way you see it, the way you designed it to be. We want to become people whose prayer lives is so powerful that it shifts not just our own lives and our families' lives, but our community, our society, and our nation, and ultimately the world. And I ask my Lord that you would open Open our ears to hear what you share with us today through this word. Amen. Now, uh, I, as we look at prayer and what Carol shared last week, I think there's something that you will note if you study the lives of great men and women 
in the body of Christ, great men and women, great revivalists, that virtually every single one of them has this thread running through their lives, that they were deeply committed, men and women, to the word and to prayer. A life of prayer works. It is worth working on your prayer life. I could preach many different aspects, but I, I want to share today three particular prayer perspectives and practices of undefeatable warriors that God laid on my heart. And I want to start in Philippians chapter 4. So if you have your Bible and want to flip with me to Philippians chapter 4, I felt like God had me start with a scripture because of the situation we find ourselves in today, where COVID is impacting our nation, impacting the world in an unprecedented way, impacting health systems, impacting economic systems, political systems. People all around us are anxious and worried. People that we talk to on a daily basis, anxiety, worry, fear seems to be gripping the hearts of nations and the people in them. And yet in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it tells us, do not be anxious about anything. How do we go from being anxious warriors to being undefeatable warriors? Well, it goes on and tells us that we don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, good, bad, ugly, COVID, you name it, by prayer and petition, we come before God and make our requests known to Him with thanksgiving in our hearts. Not an attitude of, oh God, please, but a thankfulness, a gratitude. Heaven's not anxious right now. God always has solutions. God, you've got this. I'm thankful that I'm a part of the kingdom of heaven, which is always going to take care of me. I'm thankful that God is my father. I don't have to worry. And he says, as we go from being anxious warriors to prayer warriors, that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I remember once asking God, why does it say that the peace of God transcends all understanding? And he said, because your understanding may be telling you right now that there are so many things to worry about, so many things to be anxious about. And the enemy is trying to distract you with all of those things. And when your understanding is being pulled over there, the peace of God comes and says, despite your understanding, I'm going to transcend that. And the peace is going to come and flood you and take over and realign you to living back in Christ Jesus, having our minds set on him. And I, I felt the Lord say this to me as the first point that I want to make today is that when we give into anxiety, when we give into fear, and I've done this many times, I'm not judging anyone, but when I pray from a place of anxiety and fear, I tend to just pray for survival. And God said this to me, as undefeatable warriors, we don't just pray for survival, we pray for revival. And I heard him say this, that for many who are just praying, oh God, I want to survive this. How am I going to make it? Instead of doing that, to lift our eyes to heaven and say, what does heaven want to do in this moment? I took some time away in the beginning of March. I, I do this regularly. I have a place in Michalis where I go and just take a few days away to pray. And while I was praying, I, I felt God speak to me and say that, he is doing an amazing work through what is taking place in the world, that he is realigning people's priorities and bringing people to a place where they are more desperate for him, more desperate for answers. And is creating this crisis is creating opportunities that the church can step into unique opportunities that we have not had up until this point. He's created this for us if we will step into that gap. 
And I feel like he said, I've created an atmosphere into which I can bring revival if my people will step in and trust and release that. I felt like he said that as we lift our eyes up, we're not just praying for our own personal needs. And God, would you please help me and help my family? But we start to say, God, you want to do something bigger here. You want to bring revival. Now, revival, some of you, I don't know what your picture of revival is. Sometimes it's we're having a revival meeting or a revival conference. But friends, revival isn't a meeting you attend or a place you go. It's not something that happens because of one great man or woman of God. Revival really is when the presence of God falls in a place and it moves on people's hearts to realize their need to be spiritually restored, to be made right with God, to be revitalized in their walk with Him. It usually starts in the lives of individuals in our homes. It spreads to our churches. And as it goes from there, it gets into our communities, into our cities and into our nation where it's not where you can say that one person did it, but God did it. It starts with us personally. I want to say this as we are stepping into a journey to pray more and pray more effectively. It should start with praying for personal revival. God, I need you more than yesterday. I need you more than what I have right now. I need to see and experience you more. I need to know you more. Psalm 85 verse 6 says this, Oh Lord, won't you revive us again so that your people can rejoice in you? There are people who are turning their eyes away from rejoicing in God to anxiety and worry. And yet, even in Philippians 4, Paul starts that whole concept by saying, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoicing and revival is where God wants us to be in this time. Now, it must go from just personal revival, impacting our families, impacting our churches, to impacting our nation. I've shared before in Second Chronicles chapter 7, a powerful verse for us to hold on to in this time. But I think you would agree with me that our land needs healing. I think you'd agree it's not just healing from COVID, it's healing from corruption, healing from crime, healing from hearts that are hardened towards God, healing from people who just do their own thing, idolatry. And God said to me in this season, what I'm doing is I'm challenging and coming against the idols of the world. Second Chronicles 7 says this, if my people, that's us who are called by my name, that's us, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. What a promise. I want to say this, my friends, that if we as a church, as a people say, God, we are going to choose to humble ourselves and pray and seek your face for our nation. He will do amazing things. God laid on my heart to share uh, the example of the Hebrides revival. And uh, it took place in the 1960s. It was an amazing revival. And uh, they were, it started actually with two old ladies. One was 82, one was 84. The 82-year-old was completely blind. And they couldn't do much, but they were deeply concerned about the state of the church and the state of the, the, the area that they were living in, in Scotland. And they realized that young people were just out doing their own thing. No, They weren't coming to church and the church wasn't experiencing the presence and the power of God. And this verse gripped them that said, I will pour water on him that is thirsty and floods upon dry ground. So they started to pray that. They set aside two nights a week. I think it was Tuesdays and Thursdays. They would pray from 10 at night until three or four the next morning. And they did this for weeks on end. And God started to speak to them that he was going to bring revival because of their prayers. That revival, my friends, started with a couple of people praying. 
it started then moving into the church and the one of the elders started to pray and and the people in the church just started to cry out to god to restore them then it started to spill over there were a hundred young people at a dance party and having this big party and just doing their own thing the presence of god fell in that dance hall in such a way that the fear of god gripped them and every single one of them ran out of the hall and just started to cry out to god they didn't know where to go and they saw the lights on in the church and they flooded to the church a little while later People came from miles around as the presence of God fell and they just started to flock. They flocked towards the local police station as one of the places, which was literally just right near to where the lady's cottage was that they were praying. And the police constable called one of the pastors and said, please come. I don't know what to do, but people are here crowding around the police station, crying out to God, repenting of their sins, saying, God, I need to get right with you. One of the things that was said about the Hebrides revival is that God was in the air everywhere. It wasn't one man. It wasn't one church. It was God did this. And people were just, you could walk through the streets and people would be on their faces in the streets crying out to God. A huge revival and restoration of relationship with God as a result. As I was sharing with Carol what I wanted to share today, she said to me, wow, she's had it on her heart and has even shared on a number of her forums that God wants to bring a revival in South Africa like the Hebrides revival, where it will be said in our city and our nation, God is in the air. We can have that, my friends. I'm reminded of the layman's prayer revival Carol and I were talking about in 1857, where it was a time where churches were sliding downhill. Thousands of Americans were disillusioned with Christianity. And there was a layman by the name of Jeremiah Lanfear. And he started a noon prayer meeting for New York businessmen. We just need to pray. And uh, it started with actually six people. Six people came to that first prayer meeting. But within a few months, those prayer meetings had sprung up all over. They had over 10,000 people in those prayer meetings across the city. And America's greatest spiritual awakening came as a result of just a few small prayer meetings that then grew. It later spread to the entire USA. It was known as the Layman's Prayer Revival because it was started by laymen. Thousands throughout this time forsook crime. Uh, the crime stats went completely down. Prisoners were coming to the Lord. The wealthy started to give generously to the poor. In March of 1858, a religious journal reported this. The large cities and towns from Maine to California are sharing in this great and glorious work. There is hardly a village or town to be found where the special divine power does not appear. Isn't that incredible? Friends, that started by a midday prayer meeting. And we as a church are doing this every single day of the week, Monday through Saturday. And I encourage you to join us every single day of the week. We as a church are doing online prayer on our Facebook Live. You can go log on to our Facebook page 1230 every day for 30 minutes. 12.30 every day, 30 minutes. I am calling every one of you to join us. We are praying for our nation. We're praying for our church. We're praying for our people. We're praying for God to do something in the health of our people, in the health of our economy, in the health of our politicians and leaders, not just physical health, but spiritual health, mental health, a shift so that our nation can become a nation that is righteous and serves God and that righteousness prevails in every area of society. Do you believe he can do that? I believe he can. 
my friends, we've got to go from prayer where at its worst it's just a religious ritual to at its best it is relational revival that we are praying for. So that brings me to my second point. And my second point, I want to look at a scripture that Jesus quoted with his disciples in John chapter 15. And he made this incredible promise. He said to his disciples, you can ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And many have held on to that. But there was a condition. And he starts in verse 7 and he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you can ask whatever you wish. It will be done for you. Friends, if we want to ask God whatever we wish, if we want to ask God in prayer for things and have them done for us, then it starts with us having an intimate lifestyle of abiding in Him. So that's my second undefeatable warrior principle is that as undefeatable warriors, we pray out of an intimate lifestyle of abiding in Christ. Prayer is first and foremost an act of relational intimacy with our Creator. It's not all about asking him to do things on our behalf, but stepping into his presence and being with him. Mother Teresa, a very famous woman of God who did so much for so many, said this. Prayer is not merely asking God for things. Prayer is putting ourselves in the hands of God at his disposition. Prayer is listening to his voice in the very depth of our hearts. When John 15 starts in verse 4, leading to what Jesus said in verse 7, Jesus opened that by saying this, Abide in me as I abide in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit on its own, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Friends, a branch cannot just come and pop in every now and then. And, I'm just going to get some sap and woohoo, I'm off. I'm going to do my thing. Thank you, Jesus. And so many of us are like that. We just tap into Jesus, need, need to get something quickly and we try and do our thing. Actually, the only way that we can live the life God created us to live is if we are constantly like branches in the vine. He is divine. We are debranches and we need to stay connected with him. We can't just pop in for a visit now and then. One of the greatest illustrations that impacted my heart in terms of just abiding prayer and, and living in the presence of God is a man by the name of Brother Lawrence. Brother Lawrence lived in 16th century France. He was a humble cook in a monastery. Uh, it was during the Dark Ages. There were, there were hardly any Bibles. There was so much false teaching, certainly no understanding of grace. And, and he speaks about how it took him almost 10 years to just work through the confusion of who God really was. And he came to a place where God started to reveal himself. And uh, he talks about in his book, Practicing the Presence of God. He said, I made it my goal. For the next 30 years to never get out of God's presence, I wanted to spend every minute of every day in his presence. Not just a few moments in prayer, but every minute of every day in his presence. Friends, the most powerful prayer, the Bible says, pray continuously, pray without ceasing. How do you do that? It's not that I don't ever stop talking, but it's that I'm constantly aware of his presence. I'm constantly in communion with him. I'm constantly going, God, what do you say about this? Lord, I need your help in this situation. That he's my first go-to in everything that I face. As a result of living like this, the Pope, the King of France, senior cardinals, heard of this humble monastery cook. They all sought him out just because of God's presence on him. People came from all over to interview this man because of the glory of God in his life. And one of the things I love about what he said in his book, he said, my best times in God's presence were not during the compulsory times of prayer, but while working in the kitchen, serving others and scrubbing floors. 
And he made this statement, abiding in his presence does not mean just isolating ourselves from the will to have private time with him. It must become intimacy with God in all of life, wherever we go in the busyness of life. And so abiding in God. Prayer, my friends, is not something that, although we should have a prayer time, we should have a place where we pray every day. I have a prayer chair on the other side of the house. I call it my prayer chair. Everyone knows when I'm in my prayer chair, me and my coffee and Jesus. We need to have a place. We need to have a time where we pray every day. But that cannot be the only thing we do. It can't just be like the branch taps in and then heads off into your day. It's that that is where I receive. I pull myself in. I get a line. But me and Jesus, me and Dad, me and the Holy Spirit, we step into our day together. Everything that we do should be in constant communion and fellowship with Him. And then that brings me to my last point. Many people will ask and have asked, well, what is the best position for praying? Is it kneeling, standing, lying prostrate? You know, uh, what's the best position? Well, my friends, I have come to learn that the best position for prayer is seated. That's right. The best position for prayer is to be seated. Now, you might be saying, how can I say that? Well, I want to take you to Ephesians chapter 2, which makes it clear that the best place that we can pray from is being seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places. Ephesians 2 verse 6, it says, God raised us up with Christ. And he's not talking about people who've died and gone to heaven. He's talking about us on earth, the church, the people of God. He says, you've been raised up when you received Jesus. You were raised up with Christ and seated with him in the heavenly realms. My friends, even though we live on earth, we don't have to wait to die to experience heaven. Heaven's not a place we go when we die. Heaven is the place that God lives, operates from, that the kingdom operates from. Heaven is the place where God's rule and reign are manifest. And we are meant to live in that realm. That is the unseen realm. Paul refers to it as the unseen realm that is more real than what we can see with our own eyes. And if we want to become powerful, in prayer and changing the world around us, then we have to become people who learn how to live from the unseen realm into the seen. What is seen is temporary, passing away, but what is unseen is eternal. We can choose to pray from the seen and temporary things that are around us, or we can choose to step into heaven and say, Father, how do you see this? Jesus, what do you say about this? What does heaven say about this? When Jesus gave John the apostle, after Jesus had resurrected and was transcended in heaven, the apostle John gets this revelation from heaven. And it starts with this invitation to John. John's on the island of Patmos. And a voice says to him, John, come up here. I believe that's an invitation to every one of us. Come up here. Come be seated with me. Is Jesus worried about what's going on right now? I can tell you he's not. He is perfect control. He knows what's taking place. And he is the one that can keep you safe, can keep you from harm and release power and presence in a way that nothing on earth can challenge. And so I want to say to you, friends, learning as undefeatable warriors to pray from heaven to earth is a vital principle. So that's my concluding point that I want to make that as undefeatable warriors, we pray from heaven to earth. 
Many have grown up thinking heaven is just a place we go to when we die. But I want to tell you this. Heaven is the place where God is. Have you noticed even when we worship or when you're praying, you sense that presence around you. You sense heaven invading your life. You sense peace. You sense joy. You just sense hope. You sense confidence. That is the atmosphere of heaven that you are starting to experience. The Bible says that we can come before his throne of grace with confidence in our hearts. So when I pray, I don't just go, oh God, please, God, up there in heaven, help me down here. No, I step right into that throne of grace. I walk in with confidence. That, morning, Dad. Morning, Jesus. Morning, Holy Spirit. It's so good to be with you this morning. I start to speak with Dad face to face. I stand there before the Father, Jesus, seated at the right hand of God, the Father. And I speak to them. I come before that throne of grace as if I'm right there face to face with them. When I worship, I see myself right there face to face with them. Chris Vallotton says this amazing thing, which I love. He said, when you live in from earth to heaven, your prayers are reactionary and your circumstances determine your prayers. But when you live in from heaven to earth, your prayers determine your circumstances. I can tell you that when I see myself in Jesus' presence, and I can't see him with my physical eyes, but in my heart, I know I'm right there with him. And I sense myself in his presence. And I say, Jesus, as I'm in your presence, I suddenly don't feel worried anymore. I start praying with God instead of to God. His perspective makes my problems seem so small. I see from an eternal perspective which says that God will turn all things for the good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Jesus set this example for us. He said, the son can do nothing of himself. I only do what I see my father in heaven doing. That means Jesus, while he was on earth, Lived from heaven to earth. What is heaven doing? I'm going to release that. We are meant to live like that. He was modeling how we're meant to live. When the disciples asked him, Lord, teach us how to pray. He said, pray like this. Heavenly Father, our Father who lives in heaven. He's not a distant, faraway father. He's a father I can step right into his presence. So he lives in heaven, but heaven's right here. Heaven's all around us. Heaven's in my heart. And I step into dad's presence. And I can say, hey, dad. My heavenly father, hallowed be your name. That word father is the word abad, means daddy. It's an intimate term. And I can step into his presence and go, hallowed be your name. I start with worship. I start with thanksgiving. And then he says, from there you pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If we are experiencing heaven and the atmosphere of heaven and what is in heaven, then we have the authority to say, whatever is in heaven, I can release on earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done. In my life, as it is in heaven, in my family, as it is in heaven, in my workplace, in my study place, as it is in heaven, in my city, as it is in heaven, in our nation, as it is in heaven. What's in heaven? Love, joy, peace, hope, forgiveness. There's no sickness. There's wisdom. There's solutions for everything. Heaven has all of these things, and we can release that. And as we pray from heaven to earth, we release these things into the natural world. And so as I conclude, my friends, I want to just give you some very quick practical prayer pointers because a lot of people just need to have some guidance in order to establish a healthy prayer life. I'm going to give you just some quick ones. Firstly, set aside a quiet place where you can pray daily. I spoke about my prayer chair, which is in a room on the other side of the house. You don't have to pray long, but it's that time that you take in God's presence. I can tell you the more you do this, the longer you spend there. Because God just starts to interact with you. You start to develop your prayer life. But start there at least and say, I'm going to spend time with God in a place every single day that I set aside. And then 
A lot of people say, what do I pray? Well, I say start with praise and thanksgiving. That's what the pattern gives us in the Bible. And then start to pray scriptures. A great scripture would be like we shared 2 Chronicles 7, 14, about releasing revival in our land. Pray the Psalms, Psalm 37, Psalm 91, Psalm 103, Psalm 51. Find scriptures and start to pray those. And that gets you into the presence of God. And as I'm in his presence, I start to hear from him, interact with him. It's not about him hearing from me only, but me hearing from him. And then I have a prayer list on my phone that I pray through. Start a prayer list. Who can you pray? You'd be amazed that as you start to make a prayer list, how many things you can pray for. I find with just that, that those little principles, I can spend easily 30 to 60 minutes in prayer just like that. Develop a habit as well to not just make that your one time of prayer, but to have a lifestyle of prayer, abiding in his presence in constant communion during the day. Keep a journal of prayers and what God has done in answering and then the last point I want to give you is the power of praying with others in agreement. The Bible says that where two or more stand in agreement on anything on earth, it is done by my Father in heaven. Friends, that is why it is so important to join others in prayer. Join us on Facebook Live every weekday at 12.30. Join us together as a church, as people coming together. People join from all over the world even in those prayer meetings. Join others standing in agreement in prayer. And so in conclusion, friends, as undefeatable warriors, we don't just pray for survival, we pray for revival. As undefeatable warriors, we pray out of an intimate lifestyle of abiding in Christ. And as undefeatable warriors, we pray from heaven to earth, seated with Christ in heavenly places. Father, I bless every person that has been watching this. I release your presence into our hearts and homes to give us the grace, the anointing, the understanding to pray the way you designed us to pray and to pray in the way that is most effective. I pray that everything that has been shared that is of you would stick inside of us and there would not just be something that is preached, but something that is practiced in Jesus name. I do just want to make an opportunity. I spoke about those who are in Jesus, but some of you watching might not be a Christian. Maybe you know you're far from God and you need a personal revival in your life. You need the presence of God to come and fill you and get you right with him. And if that's you and you need to get right with God, I want you to just pray this prayer with me. I'm going to lead you in a prayer and just say, Lord Jesus, thank you that you came and died in my place. I am sorry for my sins. I turn my back on living life my way and I turn to you and want to live life your way. I ask you, my Lord and my God, forgive me and come and fill me now. I give my life to you. I am yours. Would you take control? I give my life to you as Lord of everything. Fill me now with the power of your Holy Spirit and enable me to live the way you created me to live. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'm going to encourage you, please click on the links that are coming up below on the screen of this video. If you are on church online, you can click on the connect with us. We'll also have a link that if you want to pray to get right with God, please click on that and we will contact you for prayer. Don't do that just privately. We want to walk with you. We want to help you grow in Jesus and we want to give you materials. So if you prayed that prayer, please do click on those links, connect with us and we will get back to you and we will help you. 
Otherwise, friends, I pray that you have the greatest week of your lives getting into the word and prayer. I pray that God would revive every one of us. I am asking that God is going to do something amazing in our lives, in our church, in our city, in our nation, as God's people started bring heaven to earth wherever we go. God bless you.